CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Friday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. Glad you've joined us as we wrap up this week. And uh, again, we set this time aside every weekday afternoon to answer questions about the Bible from the Bible, look at current events through a biblical perspective. What we hear in church, is it even in the Bible at all? So if you've got a question you'd like to ask us, maybe you've been reading the Bible on your own, and we hope and pray you have. Someone's asked you a question, and you want to give them a good answer. Hey, listen. Give us a call. We're here for you. It's live radio, and it's toll-free. 888-ASK-CSN is the number to call. You can be part of the program today. If you're in the Southern Idaho area, I'd like to invite you to church on Sunday. We're going through the book of Acts, chapter 20. And so bring your Bible. I know you're going to be blessed as we study God's Word together. Starts at 10 o'clock in person, 1030 on the air and on the Internet around the world, Mountain Time. And so just uh, adjust the time for your own area. Look forward to uh, being with you then. And so, uh, again, Acts chapter 20. Joining me today, special guest featured CSN speaker on the Weekend Times, the Dacus Report. We have with us Brad Dacus from the Pacific Justice Institute, representing people like you and me against unfair laws and rules. Your thoughts and welcome. Oh, thank you. It's always a pleasure to be on the program. Thank you. Yeah, what what's your thoughts on all the things going on right now? I mean, uh, we, we I, I've never seen such <laughs> biased. I I just it's beyond words. Where you look at where there really are crimes being committed, no one's doing a thing, bribery and all, and then um, let's make up something because we don't like somebody. Yeah, the selective enforcement of a law is a major major problem at the highest levels in our country, both in terms of those that are being targeted as well as those doing the targeting, the FBI, the Department of Justice. So uh, it is historic in its proportions, uh, you know, this kind of uh, unequal treatment under the law, unequal enforcement under the law. Uh, you know, just uh, what, what the majority of Americans see is uh, politicized, uh, you know, judicial warfare basically is what we, we see taking place. And uh, it's, it's, it's very similar to what we see and, and we've criticized in the past uh, coming from banana republics uh, where they, you know, the president in power uh, makes up something to throw his opposing candidate behind bars to try to take him out uh, one way or the other. Um, it's a, it is a major concern. I am somewhat of, of an optimist and that I believe truth will come to the surface and uh, I just hope it can be done in a way that uh, is uh, is peaceful and uh, we can bring this, uh, get this behind us and let the will of the people be the final decider of a lot of these uh, these issues uh, coming in t- uh, 2024. I know we're, we're up against some crazy times. And of course, you have the crooked elections that, uh, you know, they're they're mad at, at Trump because he said the elections were corrupt. They were, everyone. The American news media is bald face lying to you. There is no other way around it. You know, Brad, I think it's interesting that you yourself proved it by uh, the one candidate 
uh, that went to um, uh, the the race was held last election, uh, and uh, it went to a Democrat. And the poll watchers counted the votes and realized something was wrong. And they went and counted the uh, mail-in ballots about people who voted. And they said they didn't vote. There was there were so many people who did not vote that were, that those votes were counted as Democrat. You don't find this in the Republican Party, but you find it in the Democrat Party. Um, yeah, there's a very consistent pattern in it's very disturbing. Uh, it really is. Oh, what what so is much- this party that, that you what, have to cheat? Corruption? You have to cheat. You have to have dead people voting, uh, um, uh, mail-in ballots that people didn't even vote at all. What Doesn't that tell you a lot about the Democrat Party, that they have to rely on cheating to get elected? They have to rely on illegal immigration votes? I mean, come on. I mean, what is going on here? Well, I think also this is reflective of where our nation has come courtesy of public education and the teachers' unions in terms of the the attitudes, ideology, and ideas that are uh, being uh, you know put, uh, taught in our schools. That is, you know, the ends justify the means. There is no right and wrong. Uh, your truth may not be my truth. So when schools do that and, and universities do it on a massive scale, um, it opens the door for people to do just about anything that they can rationalize or justify uh, to themselves. Uh, and that's extremely, extremely dangerous. Uh, you know, I remember when I was in college, at, back in the 80s, uh, Texas A&M, they had, we had to take a psychology class to get our business degree. And uh, the professor said, well, you know, the, the highest level of moral thinking is, is, uh, is not believing in a right and wrong, but just, you know, believing whatever you, you think, um, you know, justifies you know the, what, what you're doing and and i i was just stunned that that is what they were teaching the future business graduates from texas a&m in the business school and i went and told the dean i went to file a complaint with the dean i says businesses don't want employees that uh that see the world as relative and can justify whatever they want they want ethics well texas a&m a few years later uh required a, a business ethics course uh, so that was a, a move in the right direction. But, that, but that, that theme is what we see in universities and public schools. And I think what we're seeing in way, in way of increased election fraud and uh, lack of appreciation for our, our republic uh, is, is, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're seeing it play out, unfortunately, in, in a very threatening way. Yeah, it, we're, we're up against some pretty incredible times. Again, do what you can do for the kingdom of God. We may not be here tomorrow. Uh, we don't know when the Lord's going to come take his church home, but we know it soon. Uh, again, uh, work for the night's coming when no one can work. Let's go to the phones. We have Doug on the line, Asheville, North Carolina. Hi, welcome. Hi, Mike, Brad. Appreciate you guys' ministry. Um, my question is, Brad, last week I heard you, you had an attorney that was representing some patients that have, were taken off transplant because they refused to get the uh, jab or shot. Um, mm-hmm. you, and you mentioned something about the Nuremberg trial. I thought if, you know, the nations agreed that you don't have to take anything, you know, all the process, they did experiments on people, that if you didn't think something was good for your body, you didn't have to take it. So why would you need to explain that it has to be religious or personal or whatever? Just, you know, it's, it's, it's your choice whether you, you know, and you don't have to explain it. Can you explain that a little more right. on the Nuremberg, the results of it? Well, yeah, well, that's a, that's a principle that, you know, individuals cannot be forced to take drugs um, and, and, and the like. 
however, there's case law dealing with vaccines. It's a little different. Uh, now, I believe that at the end of the day, we'll see some some changing in that case law. It goes way back, you know, about a, over 100 years uh, where uh, the court held that government can compel people to be vaccinated. Well, here you have a hospital compelling patients to that they, you know, they've got to be you know, get a controversial, you know, emergency vaccine, quote unquote vaccine in order to have a life changing organ transplant. One of the main points of our case is not just the free exercise of religion, per se, because we're dealing oftentimes with private hospitals, not the government. Uh, But we're also dealing with them requiring something that has no medical basis. And in fact, we have two studies, uh, one out of Brazil, one out of Israel, and I'm sure there's others uh, that show that when people have the COVID vax, they're more likely to, to reject the organ if they have an organ transplant. So really, when we see the minority of hospitals with these kinds of policies, it's it's not backed up by science or logic. Uh, it's it's really very cultic, and it's also uh, coincidentally uh, aligned with hospitals that have large contracts, uh, research R and D contracts with Pfizer, big Pfizer, big pharma, that are making billions of dollars off these uh, required COVID vaccinations. Uh, smaller hospitals don't require it all for an organ transplant. Most don't require it, but most don't have big financial contracts with big pharma. So I hope that answers it for you. Yeah, well, if you'd be nice to put a white page out on your uh, uh, website or something so you, we can have something like that to, you know, defend ourselves. <laughs> yeah, if you know of anyone out there, and I'm glad you mentioned anyone out there that is, uh, you know, needing an organ transplant and they're not vaxxed, I encourage them to proactively uh, to find out what is the policy of that hospital that they're signed up with to uh, to get a, an organ vac- uh, transplant uh, ahead of time, and then uh, maybe to switch to a hospital that's more reasonable. And, and either way, to, to contact us at Pacific Justice. We do all our work without charge, and they can, you can contact us with all our resources, uh, pji.org. That's pji dot o-r-g and you can also sign up to get our our e our weekly e-newsletters and you can also if you want to support our ministry on a one-time or monthly basis you can sign up there as well as uh, as well at pji.org i hope that helps yeah thank you god bless you guys blessings to you doug if you like stay on the line we'll send you out uh, movie jesus a little book called time to grow for calling in again 88 88- 88 ask CSN's the number call if you want to be part of the program today. Got some lines open if you want to do that. Let's go ahead and go to Andrea Fort Worth. Hi, Pastor Mike and Brad. Um, I'm glad y'all are doing what you do. Um, I've learned a lot and I need your help. Okay, uh, I have we're a here. Request and I need some information from Brad. Uh, I guess we'll start with the information, and then we'll let you pray. Um, I have a grandson, eight and a half years old. We lost access to him in court a year ago, and Mm. they are pending an adoption that he does not want, and he does not want to lose his daddy's name. Um, My son is the only daddy he's ever known, and uh, he has been separated from his dad now for a year and two of the siblings that live with my son. I I need some help getting... Why would, he, 
good question. Why was he, can you tell me why he was removed, but the other two siblings were not removed from the family? She dropped the three siblings off, not the youngest one, um, during COVID uh, that spring. And two of them remained with their dad, uh, extreme parental alienation. And so two of them chose to stay. One chose to return to her. At that point, uh, the new uh, husband was still just the boyfriend. Uh, They have since married. Uh, My son petitioned for visitation with this youngest child and because he's not the biological father, it was declared he had no standing, although he had told the amicus attorney that he loved his dad, missed his dad and his siblings, and wanted to have contact with them. But um, instead of deferring because the amicus attorney was not present on the conference call, they had a court date set for five days later, and it should have because he was served to be present on the conference call, it should have just been deferred um, by the judge yeah. or my son's attorney. What okay. we want to know is, do you know of an attorney that does family law that can look into um, this adoption? Uh, the home study should be being conducted, and I'm hoping we can get somebody who loves the Lord and, you know, can represent my grandson, um, his interest. Uh, yeah, how old is your grandson? How old? The, the grandson is now eight and a half. Um, where does his okay. rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness uh, come in? Uh, does he have any? Yeah, so, so generally at that age, uh, courts are not required to take into consideration the desires or wishes of the child and deciding what is in the best interest of the child at that age. At the age of 12, they're required to give consideration. At the age of 14, as far as the feelings of the child preferences, at the age of 14, they're required to give great deference to the wishes of the child because they don't like kids at that age running away from home. Uh, they want them to be where they, where they want to be, where they want to be. And, and, um, so at this stage, um, yeah, that, that, that's the lowest standard, the lowest protection, unfortunately, as far as the uh, the, the concerns or the desires of the child is con- it goes. Um, you know, it's uh, they do look also at is the child biologically uh, related uh, to the father. Um, you know, you have some case law in, in the states dealing with uh, where they become uh, basically the the the, uh, the functional father, if you will. There's sort of a an implied, a, an implicit rights that come with it when, uh, when a pa- father plays the role of father, is seen as a father, is acts as a father, and of course uh, should take that into consideration in all the states. Um, but I, I, I'm not a family law expert in terms of some of this. What you're talking about, uh, I can say that uh, we would generally recommend you to have uh, an outside uh, expert uh, in terms of a psychiatrist or someone to do an assessment of the child do an assessment of uh, the family environment that you're wanting them to consider. So it's you and your husband, uh, for example, um, to have that uh, assessed and then have that psychiatrist submit their, uh, their analysis with the court. Uh, you may not have much time to do it at this stage, but we've done that before. 
and uh, it's proven oftentimes to be effective. I hope okay. that helps. Um, yes. Can you pray with me that uh, whoever is assigned the home study portion of this adoption will have ears to hear what is not being spoken as much as what is being spoken and that they will be godly, inquisitive, and yes. just look to the interests of this innocent child. I think he's yeah. we're losing him a day at a time to despair. Yeah. And Well, and that's important to pray for because a lot of social workers out there uh, and investigators who uh, have different agendas and uh, and the children end up in, in just horrific, uh, quote unquote, alternative lifestyle uh, homes and families. So, um, so yeah, let's let's just pray. Father, we we lift up this little child to you, Father, yes, eight, eight and a half. Uh, and uh, Lord, you love that child so much. Uh, we uh, we pray for your divine intervention, Lord God. You're an awesome God, a powerful God, and we pray for you to uh, to intervene to to guide the thoughts. Of that uh, that home assessor, and uh, to uh, just to to guide and protect this child, uh, so that uh, the truth comes to the surface, and that that child is taken care of, um, and is uh, protected uh, from uh, a system, Lord God, which you know can often result in evil outcomes um, to the to the precious children that uh, are involved. So we uh, we lift this up to you. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to be doing, and we uh, we give you the praise and the glory, Father. Uh, because uh, we've come before you we, and we know that you've heard heard our prayers and we uh, thank you for what you're going to do. We may not understand it uh, in the end, but we thank you because we know you've heard our prayers and that you are a God of action, not a, not a God of passivity, passivity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And uh, Andrea, uh, let us know how it all works out, okay? I will, dears. Thank you so much. I appreciate your prayers. Oh, Andrea, stay on the line if you like. Send you out the movie Jesus as well as Time to Grow. Uh, those couple of the little book, uh, great for great for evangelism. Let's go to Ron, Yucca Valley, California. Hi, welcome. Hi, uh, my question is for Brad about um, why doesn't anybody ever go against the atheist as far as the Supreme Court has says that atheism is a religion, and yet they're able to force their religion on me. Well, yeah, that's a very broad, very broad question. And, um, yeah, the, the atheism has been respected as as a religion. Uh, you're right. There is a uh, a two two tier system oftentimes where science is used as the cloak to to bring in and, and further atheism. Uh, and uh, and then science supporting Christianity is, is suppressed. Uh, and so. They'll contend that they're not furthering atheism, but furthering, say, science or furthering, uh, you know, some kind of new uh, philosophy, whether it's woke or LGBTQ. Uh, and they'll say, no, we're not furthering atheism. But implicitly, the values and the standards that they're implementing um, are are just that. It's it's devoid of of God, the acknowledgement of God, the, the, the laws of nature and nature's God. Uh, so that's, that is what we see. And it's great you, I'm glad you, uh, you can assess that because that's atheism is in fact implicit in the assumptions of the LGBTQ movement, woke, et cetera, um, in, in terms of their implicit, um, assumption that there is no God and no laws of nature and 
nature's got. Uh, we have PJI. We're fighting it in the courts. We have over 200 cases in active litigation. We have uh, offices all across the country, coast to coast. And um, if you know of anyone who's facing the the brunt of this ideology, whether it's in public schools uh, or in employment or or elsewhere, uh, encourage them to contact us because uh, we're we're fighting this uh, all the time and the manifestations of atheism in terms of policies uh, in our in our uh, our work life and school life, et cetera. So I hope that hope that answers it for you. Yes, it does. Thank you. Yeah, we we're we're up a, we're up against a, a a real enemy, but greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So we always want to remember that. Um, again, uh, you know, if you just listen to people, they'll tell you everything that's wrong with them, and uh, you know their 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 life, their words, their philosophy is full of contradictions. Yeah, you know, I, I I thought it was funny, uh, Brad. I, I was. Uh, reading the news this morning, and it said because of global warming and the glaciers melting, it's now revealing all these tools that the Nordics used for hunting reindeer and other things that are finding more and more daily. Well, uh, they estimate them to be like like uh, fourteen hundred years old, uh, dating back you know six hundred A.D. <clears throat> the problem was what caused. Uh, the earth to be warm then, so the tools where they were working were there. Then everything iced over uh, and and hid them all. Now that we have what they say, global warming, uh, it, they're receding, and now they find the tools. So w- was the horses and the people back in, you know, 400, 500 A.D. causing global warming? For those tools to be able, and those those areas that are now covered with ice, uh, to be to be um, to be u- usable, what caused the global warming back then? Oh, wait a minute, maybe it's cyclic, just like the the um, sequoias uh, and the the uh, redwoods in California say that it is. Wow, real science rather than the religion of of climate change. Because, friends, that's all it is. Uh, so right. stay on the line, Ron. We'll send you out the movie Jesus and um, uh, the little book called Time to Grow. I think you'll enjoy that. 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call if you want to be part of the program today. And let's go to Todd, Wichita, Kansas. Hi, welcome. Todd, are, are you? One of you. Hi. Hello. Yes, hi. Yeah, yeah, I had a question for you that I guess it's burned off of one of your previous shows that I was listening to in which you were talking about Daniel was given the prophecy that, you know, that Jesus would come, you know, and you know, die and be buried and raise again. I believe it was in Daniel chapter 9. And it got me to thinking that, you know, the, the, the Israelites, the children of Israel, the Jewish nation would have, they would have known when Jesus was coming, they would have had that prophecy, but yet they didn't, they didn't heed it, you know? Exactly. We we all know that we all know the end result there. So maybe this is a rhetorical question, but could that, could that situation with God dealing with mankind be why he doesn't tell us the date of the rapture? Well, 
I, I think that, uh, of course, that was uh, that was um, withheld from Jesus. Um, you know, I, I know he knows now. Um, but what you're speaking of is from the time that Artaxerxes gives the command to go and restore the walls around Jerusalem to the coming of the Messiah, the Prince, will be 69 seven-year periods. The Bible says in the 70, in, in, and then Messiah will be cut off. And there's a remaining seven-year period of time in which God will deal with the nation of Israel. We know it is the tribulation, but it's also where God deals with a God-rejecting world. Now, uh, understanding that the Babylonian calendar was predicated upon a 360-day year, uh, 183,880 days later, from when Artaxerxes gave the command to go restore, rebuild the walls in 445 BC to 32 AD was exactly the exact number of days uh, predicated based upon a 360-day year. Now, again, um, the, we, we know those to be, again, um, these periods of time. And this is one of the reasons why I believe Jesus, as he was making his descent into the Mount of Olives, it was their day of salvation. It was Israel's day, and it was hid from their eyes. It's interesting, the Bible says that Jesus wept over the city. Now, I don't believe Jesus holds people accountable for things they don't know. But when they do know, and they just choose not to look and see what the Scripture says, I believe there's a consequence to pay, and they missed the day of their Messiah. It's interesting, the very first place Jesus went on that Palm Sunday is he went into the temple and cleared the temple of the money changers. See, Jesus didn't go down and knock on Herod's door and say, okay, buddy, I'm taking over now. He went into the temple. Why? Because he realized Israel's real problem was not the Roman government. It was a spiritual problem. And that's why he went into the temple first. The Bible says he cleared the temple And then after they were gone, he taught the people. The Pharisees were outraged over this, ruining their little business that they had going on. You see, they wouldn't accept the Jewish shekel. Uh, Excuse me, they wouldn't take the Roman denarii. They'd only take the Roman shekel. So they had money changers scamming the people. Oh man, I'll tell you. And the people just wanted to know God. And yet we find them doing this. We're going to have more on this, Todd. Uh, We're coming up on a break, everyone. We don't want you to go away, and we'll have more to every man and answer coming up right after this. We'll be right back. Let's see. If something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied After making the switch to the customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call 
right now and get a price within two minutes. Very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. More than ever, pastors need to feel people's love and support. Over the last few years, many pastors have seriously considered leaving their church. But 1 Thessalonians 5.12 instructs all churches and all Christians to show and share their deep appreciation for those who minister to them. There is no better time to do this than Pastor Appreciation Month in October. And there's no better way to do it than using the easy as one, two, three, bless your pastor materials that are available for free at blessyourpastor.org. That's blessyourpastor.org. Plus, the great news is that if your church uses the 123 Bless Your Pastor materials, the pastors at your church will be offered a $300 scholarship application to attend a Family Life Weekend to Remember Marriage retreat. What a blessing this will be to your pastors and their spouses. For free materials, go to blessyourpastor.org. That's blessyourpastor.org. Welcome you back to part two of To Every Man and Answer here on this Friday afternoon with Brad Dacus from Pacific Justice Institute. I'm your host, Mike Kessler in Twin Falls, Idaho. And again, once again, if you're in the southern Idaho area, I'd love to see you in church on Sunday. Starts at 10 o'clock at the River Christian Fellowship. Just follow the signs to Shoshone Falls. You'll find us right on the way to the great, what do they call it? The Niagara of the West. You'll enjoy that. Um, when we went to the break, um, Brad, we were talking with Todd um, concerning um, the prophecy of Jesus um, and that uh, the Messiah would come. Uh, and yet they don't believe even today. He made it the first time, let alone the rapture. Your thoughts? Yeah, um, it's interesting how we look in the rearview mirror sometimes and we say, you know, how can they not believe? How could they not see it? And yet today, in our world today, we see what is happening in historic proportions. Things that would have been in a, a sci-fi movie back in the 70s or 80s of this is what America is going to be like, you know, just you know, before Jesus comes. This is what's going to. But we're, we're seeing it. We're living it. Um, and so I think that having complacent Christianity, this is not the time for complacent Christianity. This is the time to wake up. Uh, realize where we are. God has given us, you know, warnings in Scripture, you know, for Sylvia, such as in the days of Noah, uh, for example, uh, things of a historic proportion in terms of socially, morally, uh, ideology, um, things that are just totally divergent from the Lord. And uh, and I think that more be, more than being a skeptical of why they didn't receive Jesus or see that at the times, I think we need to be looking forward all the more um, and uh, to to the fact of where we are and uh, taking our Christianity seriously and sharing the gospel to a world that is desperately in need of it, uh, especially if we're, in fact, approaching the, the coming of Christ, uh, which could we could very well could be. Amen. So I hope that that uh, sheds some light on it for you. Yep, that, that, that helps. That gives me some more to research. Yep. It's always it's always neat to, to see yeah. God's word, you know, and, and and 
concerning, I believe, the end of the age, if we go to Luke chapter 21, Jesus said that Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles till the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. They got half the city in 1948. They got the other half in 1967 in the Six-Day War. Uh, four years ago, President Trump declared Jerusalem to be the capital of Israel. And um, then Jesus goes on in that same chapter, a few more verses down, the generation that sees this will not pass away till everything is fulfilled. So I believe we are at the end of man's futile efforts to govern himself. I believe that we're going to see the rapture. We're going to see probably a couple more wars. Then we're going to go into the tribulation period. Uh, of course, the people here on this earth will. I believe the church is in heaven. And there, the Bible says that he deals with his nation of Israel that final last seven-year period of time. He made a promise to Israel. He keeps his promises. And he also is obligated to judge a God-rejecting world. And so that's why you find the, the cataclysmic things that break out on this earth. So uh, stay on the line, Todd. We'll send you out uh, uh, God Wonders as well as uh, the movie Jesus. I think you'll really enjoy it based on the book of Luke. Stay on the line. We'll get you taken care of. Let's go to Garrett, Graham, Texas. Hi, welcome. Oh, hey, guys. Uh, yeah, I guess y'all called me back um, and asked for me to be on the program. I, I haven't been able to catch the first part of it. I've been with family and we're driving out here and I get funky reception, so I may not even be on here much longer. But uh, I, I guess basically what I was saying, kind of touch on what yesterday was talking about, was that I'm assuming, you know, even though all this stuff is going to be happening in those times to those people, and they'll be going through those tribulation things, but, like, it's uh, amazing how the grace is going to be. I think he will provide for them in certain ways, too. You know, they're like, you wouldn't think, of, you know, of course, water will be blood and some of that, but at the same time, like, he's obviously going to take care of those people to you know, maybe get that last bunch in. Uh, Ian, I kind of got caught off guard when y'all called me, asked me to get on here. I'm, uh, I wasn't prepared for it necessarily, but does that make sense? Well, yeah. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that we've, we've got to uh, understand as well is that the tribulation period is God bringing about these judgments on the earth. Now, there's always been wars. There's always been famines. There's always been all these issues that have plagued men since the beginning. I believe they're brought on by the prince of the power of the air, Satan. Remember, he offered all the kingdoms of the world to Jesus. They're mine, Satan said, mine to whomever I want to give them to, if you'll bow down and worship me. And of course, Jesus uh, uh, rebuked him. Um, and again, but he didn't say, no, they're not. And uh, what's different about the tribulation period, rather than these things being brought on by Satan and the hatred of human beings that him and his demons have, the things that we find in the seven-year period time of the tribulation are brought on by God. Now, this is really amazing because when events happen in heaven, there is cataclysmic things that break out on the earth, such as when Jesus begins to pop the seals, seven, the, the seal judgments that are on the earth, Every time he pops a seal in heaven, cataclysmic things break out on the earth. This is not caused by the devil. This time, it's caused by God. So we, we have a different uh, set of, uh, of circumstances. Now, the Bible tells us in Revelation 6, there's a huge number of people gathered under the altar. 
John did not recognize them. He's never had a problem recognizing the church, but he didn't know who these people were. Who are they? The angel asked. He says, I don't know. Who are they? And the angel said, these are the martyrs that came up out of the great tribulation. So I, I believe, Garrett, any ideas that that uh, believers will be supernaturally protected during the tribulation is not really found uh uh, any basis, I believe, in the book of Revelation. It sounds like, in fact, just the opposite. They will be more of a target of man's wrath uh, against those children of God, and thus they're beheaded for their faith. So, any other thoughts? Yeah, um, it's uh, there's going to be great uh, persecution. I think we also need to recognize, though, uh, when these things happen, Sometimes Christians are thinking like, oh, that's going to be, I'm going to be so afraid, you know, or it's going to be, uh, you know, terrible. Or, or yet uh, with persecution comes great opportunities uh, for us to glorify the Lord with our testimony. Um, the, the testimony of the early church and the martyrdom that took place uh, was just a, a powerful witness to the reality of, of Christianity, the reality of the, the relationship with the Lord. And uh, and was uh, very compelling, I think, for many to uh, to to look at Christianity. Uh, so when we when we see these persecutions coming, we shouldn't you know welcome them per se, uh, but we as Christians should see this as opportunities for God to be glorified all the more in our lives as we face these uh, momentary, as Paul would call, momentary light afflictions. So I hope that helps. Oh yeah, it's great, guys. Thank y'all very much. God bless. Yeah, stay on the line if you like. Send you out some books, some DVDs if you like. 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call if you want to be part of the program today. Got some lines open. So if you call, you're sure to get on. Let's go to Dean, Grangeville, Idaho. Hi, welcome. Hello, Pastor Mike. Hey, um, I have a have a question. I think I talked to you earlier this week. I have yes. a question for Brad about St. Jude's Children's Hospital. And I think oh. I heard him say something about St. Jude's last Friday, but I didn't get it because I was in my shop. I have a machine shop, and it's noisy in there, so I didn't get all of it. Pastor Brad, would you would you tell me, was there a, a problem with giving to St. Jude's, or did you know something? I don't know. I just give yeah. it as a, as a donation. Your thoughts. And... Uh, we've lost uh, Brad's audio there real quick. Uh, I can hear him. Okay, you can hear him? Okay, Brad, let's let's okay. try again. Start over. Okay, sure. So, yeah, um, and I, I think it's, it's, it's important to differentiate, as we did in our press release, you know, the work of St. Jude's, which is wonderful work for the children, and that's, that's unquestionable, versus the administration of St. Jude's, uh, which is very uh, objectionable and, uh, and and how they're uh, they're dealing with uh, for example an employee um, you know requiring them to have been vaxxed and, uh, and you know the facts you can find it on our website uh, but you know here you have you know people employees of uh, strong Christian faith Christian beliefs uh, you know and they're being treated um, as if this is run by atheists uh, or some kind of cult. Uh, it's uh, they're not being accommodated pursuant to the Title VII mandate. So, um, you know, it's it's very disturbing. You know, I, you know, I, everyone has to seek their own. They have to pray and seek the Lord's direction on this. 
but, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, we need to also stand up and hold institutions accountable that are showing such overt hostility and, and effectively purging employees because of their faith and their personal uh, interaction and relationship with the Lord and following the convictions of the Holy Spirit. Uh, to me, that's very serious. And uh, we at PJI are fighting it. We'll fight it wherever we find it. And fortunately, we found it at St. Jude's. So I hope that answers it for you. Not a, I'm not a Catholic. I'm I'm Protestant. We I go to a little church, and we are a Bible-driven church. Uh, but this is just one of the things that I give to because children shouldn't be sick. So I that's that's why I that's why I give. That's one of my giving things. You know, and the Lord blesses me, and I don't. But I don't want to be a part of uh, other people being oppressed or. Uh, having the boot put on their neck and that kind of stuff because of what they feel about uh, uh, anything, really, uh, except for, yeah. of course, abortion. But uh, Yeah. Yeah, so I, I always say pray about it, seek the Lord's direction. They do great work for the kids. So I no way, in any way, malign that, what they're doing. It's uh, The stories are very compelling that, uh, you know, you, you see it on TV and other, you know, it's, I don't, we don't question that. We don't challenge that. Uh, we're just taking them on for how they're doing their business practices with employees. It, um, is very disappointing. And, you know, you might want to, you know, call, call them or, you know, just let them know your, your concerns as a, as a donor and supporter of St. Jude's. Uh, I encourage people to do that. I think that's, you know, let them know your, your feedback. Let them know the, uh, and if they give you information that doesn't sound right or doesn't sound, uh, congruent with what we've given you. You know, please let us know. We'll be happy to, to clarify any any misrepresentation they may give you. But I think it's good to, you know, to, to let your voice be heard and let them know as a donor what your what your thoughts are. I think that's very healthy. So I hope that helps. Quick, quick, a really quick one. What do you think of Shriners? Um, I don't have know much about Shriners. I, I know they purport to be uh, helping helping little children who are sick as well. And uh, I've heard nothing negative about about their work uh, helping children. So I hope that helps. My, yeah, Mike, uh, Pastor Mike, would you? Uh, um, this is my own curiosity. I believe he is, but would you? What do you think is is uh, Nebuchadnezzar among the holy host right now? Is he in? Is he in heaven now? I, I think he. I think he is, but I wonder. I, I he believe thinks. he is. Uh, I I see that his declaration after he lost his mind. Uh, after the Bible says for seven seasons. Now, some people think that's seven years. Maybe that would be uh, seven seasons. It'd be almost two years if you count, um, you know, spring, you know, spring, summer, you know, fall, winter. Uh, I don't know whether it was uh, almost two years or almost seven or seven years. But when he came back to his sen- senses, you see him write something that looks like King David wrote it. So I expect right. to see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. Yeah, so, okay, that's what I thought. I just, uh, that as long as I was, it's hard, sometimes it's hard to get a hold of you guys, and, and I thought as long as you were here, I asked you, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I don't want to hold up the next call. Oh, no, you're you're fine. And, and Dean Stan Lineson, you have the movie Jesus, little book called Time to Grow, great for... Uh, um, just your own own research as well as sharing with a friend. Stay in line, we'll get you taken care of. Let's go to Sherry, Billings, Montana. Hi, welcome. Hi. 
Yes, hi. So my question, hi. So last night I wasn't able to hear every man and an answer, but I tuned in just at the very end, and then I heard your, your Pastor Mike, your um, preaching, and yes. you were talking about Leah and God's perspective of Leah. Mm-hmm. And this, this story has bothered me since I was a child. I think most women it, it bothers. Um, <laughs> I just, what is Rachel's perspective God through God? I mean, I, she really got the wrong, raw end of things. Well, so it, 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 for those that don't, uh, aren't aware of this story, um, uh, Jacob fell in love with Rachel. And he went to Laban, her father, and said, I'll work for you um, for seven years for your daughter's hand in marriage. He really didn't have anything. Quite com- quite customary was to give uh, the father a dowry. Uh, it would might be what's called alimony in advance. But really, it's thanking the dad for taking care of her and everything like that over the years. And if something was to happen to him, there would be that extra money there to take care of her when she's when when uh, he's gone. Now, we remember that they had the wedding ceremony, the seven years were up ceremony. He marries the girl, um, pulls back the bridal veil, and it's not Rachel, it's Leah. The Bible says the one who had weak eyes. I don't know what that means by that. But evidently, it wasn't pleasing to Jacob. And the Bible tells us that he went down to Laban and said, you have, you've lied to me. What, what did you do? And he said, well, you know, it's customary in our country that the older daughter gets married first. So we had to let her be married first. So he said, fulfill her week, and then I'll let you work another seven years for me for Rachel, and I'll float her to you on credit. So after the week was up concerning Leah, then he was able to marry Rachel, and for seven years he had to work her off. So he worked a total of 14 years for these two two daughters of, of Laban. Now, what is interesting is that Rachel didn't have any kids. Leah, on the other hand, was having a lot of kids. And um, she felt that, Leah, you know, if I have him uh, some sons, he'll love me. And she always felt unloved. God's perspective, though, of it was that Jesus, the Messiah, came through Leah's side, not through Rachel's side. But the ultimate, when you ask the question, Rachel was not buried alongside of Joseph, uh, or Jacob. Uh, Joseph was buried with Leah, which is a real unusual twist in the story. Brad, you got any thoughts? Yeah, um, I, I think you described it very well. And um, it's one thing I like about the Bible is um, it's not, uh, you know, like a neat little stories, little, you know, tales, where everything is smooth, um, it's very raw. It's it's just very you know states forward exactly what happens. Uh, it doesn't elevate characters as being like you know super superhuman. 
Um, it shows the the fault, the the faults, the the uh, shortcomings of uh, you know from you know Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and uh, to me as an attorney, it just validates the reality of it, the authenticity of it, because uh, we do see this humanity and just the realism of of real people, and uh, and it uh, gives us more confidence uh, actually, and in, in as we as we read the scriptures to understand uh that uh, they are uh giving us the raw the raw truth not some sweet little story tale that makes a, a certain people look look uh, perfect so i hope that helps well it doesn't help it still makes me think that she got the raw deal and and where did she ever get a blessing out of any of it well and then the- she finally has her son her she has a son and ultimately thinks that he's dead and then has another son and dies in birth. I don't understand how she got such a raw deal in life. Well, the, the, now here's the thing we have to remember. It isn't that uh, she got, you might say, a raw deal because she did get to marry um, uh, Jacob. Uh, that that was good. She did get to have two sons. Um she did um, uh, have a place in God's Word. Uh, I think the problem that we see sometimes, and I think, Brad, you touched on this, is we have an idea that um, everybody everybody has a Hallmark movie in their life, and we don't. Uh, in fact, as you really look at the whole Bible, you don't see very many people that did have that. I mean, here's King David. Um, before he was a king, he was just the shepherd boy on the backside of a wilderness, kills Goliath because he was just fed up with, with Goliath's rantings, cuts his head off, and becomes instantly a, a, a war hero. Instantly, Saul becomes jealous of him. And Saul then pursues to try to kill him on every side that he could. And so we find David living out in the wilderness on the backside of, of, of life for a lot of years. When we really look at all of it, look at John the Baptist. If you want to, here's a, a person that came before Jesus. He was the one that heralded the great event. And he dies after being put in prison. He's beheaded because he condemned, really, uh, Herod having his brother's wife. So when we really look at at the the um, you know everything is peaches and cream in the Bible, we don't find that. And I agree with you, Brad. The Bible is honest enough to deal with this that this is not our world. There's a world for us in heaven. Uh, I expect very much to see Rachel in heaven. But you also have to remember that Leah also got kind of a bad end of the deal because the Bible says she knew she wasn't loved. She was trying to have children to make him love her. The Bible doesn't give us the great ideals. The Bible gives us the real story. And the real story sometimes, I believe, is written these ways so that every one of us can relate. Rarely do we find anybody that just has a perfect life. But I will tell you this, that through it all, God is faithful. And again, when we look at all these pictures in the Bible, you always find 
God is always faithful to see us through. Brad, any last thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, no matter what we we're going through, God will He doesn't leave us or forsake us. He's with us. Uh, he doesn't promise us a rose garden here on earth, but we definitely have one in heaven. And when we look at this earth, and even you know Leah's and uh, time on earth, etc., it's a very, very, very short window. It's like a a train uh, depot, if you will. And we're we're waiting to get on the train, and some people are going to leave earlier and later, and some are going to have nicer seats to sit on than others, waiting for the train. But at the end of the day, it's not about the train station. It's about where we're headed, which is to spend eternity with Jesus in an awesome place filled with jo- the joy and peace of the Lord. Um, and uh, and our God, in the end, is also a just God uh, who, uh, who uh, works things out in the end uh, and gives tremendous grace and mercy as well to, to us, for we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Amen. I I hope that shed some light on it for you, Sherry. Sherry, are you there? We might have lost you, Sherry, but um, hope that shed some light on it for it. Stay in line if you're with us, and we'll send you out um, a DVD, uh, Movie Jesus, based on the book of Luke, as well as Time to Grow. Let's go to Ian in Oregon. Hi, welcome. Hi there. Um, I've been studying the Bible and cross-referencing uh, New Testament, Old Testament stuff, and um, I'm here on A- uh, Acts chapter 26, um, 22 and 23, um, and Paul is talking about how which the prophets and Moses uh, did say should come, that Christ should suffer, and that he should be the first to rise from the dead. Um, and I, I just can't find where Moses says that in the Old Testament, so I was wondering if you know where that is. Um, I, 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 well, as far as a direct statement of that, I, I don't know. Um, but, um, we, we find that Moses was obedient to the Lord's call. Uh, again, I'll just read this for the benefit of everybody. We're almost out of time. It says, therefore, having obtained help from God to this day, I uh, I stand witnessing both the small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said that would come, that Christ would suffer, that he would first rise from the dead, and he would claim uh, to give light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. And so... Um, yeah, let me let me uh, I'll do a little research on this for you over the weekend. We're out of time. And uh Ian, so tune in on Monday. We'll do our very best to pick this up. We're out of time. I want to give you a good answer. And uh, we just want to say hey, Royce, Sherry, Brian, stay in line. We'll uh, uh call us back first thing on Monday. We'll we'll put you on first thing. Thanks Brad for being on. Brad Dacus Pacific Justice to find Institute. Out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, PO Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. 
The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 